You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, it's a solo show for me, Tim Robertson, this week. Uh, David is indisposed, so Tech Fan 148 with me, Tim Robertson. Hey everyone, Tim Robertson doing a solo show. David and I couldn't get together this week, unfortunately. He had something come up at the last minute and uh, couldn't be here for the one hour that I have free to do this podcast. Yep, I only have an hour free because uh, school was canceled once again here in uh, in West Michigan where I live. <clears throat> My kids have had off four of the last five days. That's crazy. Plus, they had off last Friday, a week ago. So, <laughs> yeah, of the last six school days, they've gone one day. That was yesterday, Thursday. That's, oh, I don't remember having this many days off as a kid. I really don't. And I've, I grew up same town, you know, same kind of weather. But, you know, the polar vortex, as it was called. And you know what? It actually was as bad as it sounds. It was um, sub-zero temperatures, and then we were getting wind chills into like negative 30. And I don't want my kids out waiting for you know the bus stop, or any kids for that matter, in that kind of weather. And school was wisely closed. Today, I guess, it's because of icy roads and uh, really windy, and it's blowing snow off of fields onto the, onto the roads, and uh, buses are getting stuck. So better be safe than sorry, right? I think so. Wanted to uh, talk to David about a lot of stuff today, but David's not here, so I'm going to uh, attempt a solo show. It's been a while since I've done a solo show, and uh, it's fun, though. I, I, I enjoy doing the solo shows. It's just been so long that I kind of fall out of practice. I'm used to the conversation back and forth, and really, that's what Tech Fan's all about. First topic, though, I wanted to talk about is I've got a new show coming out. Now, this is only going to be a tease. I can't go into any details because the contract hasn't been written yet. Um, it's not official yet, but for all intents and purposes, um, both parties, me and the other party knows it's going to happen, and uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot. So hopefully next week, you know, all of the crossing of the T's, dotting the I's will be done, and I can discuss it. And when that new podcast launches, I'll probably put the very first episode of that podcast within the tech fan RSS feed just to give you guys uh, one episode to hear it. And then you could decide if you want to subscribe. And if you do, there'll be information on how to do that. But, uh, we're pro I'm probably at least a week from launching that podcast. Now, I don't want anybody to think that starting another podcast is going to affect tech fan. It's not Uh tech fan is going to continue. I love doing tech fan. And quite honestly, um, it, it helps the other show if I'm doing tech fan, because I could promote what I'm talking about on the other show here on this show. So synergy, baby. 
hopefully, though, you know, next week I'll be able to talk about it. Uh, David and I didn't do a podcast last week. He did it with uh, Owen Rubin. That was a good show. I, I really enjoyed talking or listening to it. I almost said talking. Uh, I listened to, uh, to most of it. I didn't get to finish it, though, because my commute is a lot less than it used to be. And I haven't been going outside because it's been so cold. So I'm way behind on all my podcasts. Literally, I've got like 13 podcasts that I don't know when I'm going to be able to get back and listen to. Because when a new episode comes out, that's the one I want to listen to of whatever show it is. But uh, yeah, I'm way behind on my podcast. But I listen to a lot of it. Uh, I really enjoyed their discussion about Nest and Google buying Nest. And it was kind of appropriate that the week after Google buys Nest... Google turns around and sells Motorola. Wow, who saw that coming? I guess some people will say, oh, yeah, I saw it coming. I, you're right. Google paid, uh, what, two years ago, $12.5 billion for Motorola. Motorola was a great company at one time. I loved the Motorola Razor. It was, up until the, the uh, iPhone, it was my favorite cell phone. It was, it was badass looking. Uh, it looks kind of clunky and weak today, but we're used to very smart iPhones and Samsungs and HTCs and what have you. But in the day, man, the Razor was just, it was, it was cool. Now they, uh, when they first bought Motorola, Google said they weren't going to treat them any different than any other manufacturer of Android phones. That made no sense to me. Why would you pay 12 and a half billion and then basically hands-off approach for a company that wasn't doing well to begin with. Well, I kind of guessed at the time, and I said it right here on TechFan, and I wasn't the only person, obviously, that thought this, that really what Google was buying was the patents that Motorola had in cell phone technology. Turns out those patents weren't worth as much as Google thought they were. And uh, it was probably a bad decision you know, it seems to me that Google seems to get this pass when it comes to IP, when it comes to their protecting their patents and stuff like that. Everyone kind of goes after Apple and, oh, look what Apple's doing. And uh, Google's open. They're not open. And they were suing people as well. They were demanding extremely high um, price tags for licensing the patents. And Microsoft fought that. Microsoft lost, but the money that was owed to Google was substantially less than what Google was hoping for. So $12.5 billion, they sell it to Lenovo for $2.91 billion. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, Google completely bungled everything when it came to the Motorola purchase. It was probably the worst decision they've ever made as a company, financially. Um, cost them a lot of money, and they didn't turn over all. The, look, they're selling Motorola, but they're not selling all the patents. So, yeah, it was about the patents, and uh, Google is moving on. They're taking a big loss, and of course. They just spent billions of dollars a week ago to buy Nest. Now, Nest, of course, as they talked about last week, uh, David and Owen, was founded by Tony Fidel, who was the one of uh, the creators of the iPod. 
Now, of course, Nest came out with that cool thermostat. They came out with a smoke detector. They're a consumer electronics company, but they're doing it right. They're doing it kind of the Apple away, the 70s and 80s Sony way, stylish, better than the competition. And it looks like they've been pretty successful doing that. I don't know what their sales are, but I don't think that Google is necessarily buying them for that thermostat. They're buying them because they want Nest and the engineers, and almost all the engineers at Nest, some very good ones, are ex-Apple people. They're going to look at Nest as their consumer products division. Mark my words, you're going to see a lot more products coming out of Nest that, you know, they're all going to be connected. They're all going to be probably gorgeous. Um, I don't think you're going to see innovation as far as brand new products that you've never seen before. I think you're going to see iterations on existing products, such as the thermostat, such as the smoke detector that Nest is going to do. <clears throat> and I think that they're going to do it very well. And that's what Google wants. They want to be in the same space as far as a consumer electronics company and known for their hardware, just like Apple is. Will they be successful? Uh, I don't know. How successful were they with Motorola? Of course, they say they didn't buy Motorola to do anything with Motorola. Just kind of let them flounder around out there, release some also-ran Android phones, lose billions of dollars, and turn around and selling them. I think with the purchase of Nest, it's not the brand name. It's not their existing catalog. It's the people there. They're investing money in the people in Nest. And that's a big difference than when they got Motorola. Because at Motorola, there was a brain drain from that company over, you know, probably since 2008. Uh, a, a lot of the most talented engineers and designers from Motorola had long ago left. So the only thing that Google bought with Motorola was the patents. That's not what they're doing with Nest. I think it's a good move, to be honest, uh, on Google's part. And I'm looking forward to it myself because, look, I purchased consumer electronics. I want cool things. I want things that I've already got, but that work better, more efficiently, works um, more greener, if you will. I would love to have bought one of those Nest thermostats, but it was $300. There's no way I could convince my wife, look, we've got a thermostat. We've had it for like eight years. And the only reason we've had it for such a short amount of time is the one we had before it died. And it was one of those old ones from like the 70s that was round. The new one's actually like a control box. And uh, I know I could program it, but it's really confusing and I never bothered. Just when it's time to go to bed, I just kick it down by about five degrees. And when I wake up in the morning, I turn it back up. No big deal. I think it costs like 40 bucks, maybe. Maybe 50 in the high end. There's no way I could convince my wife to spend four times that for for a thermostat. No, that's not going to happen. But look, it glows cool and it looks nice. She doesn't care. It's not going to happen. So, number one, with this purchase of Nest, Google, please put the price points where it's a little bit more reasonable. Uh, a $300 thermostat is retarded. Uh, yes, there are some people who will buy it because it's really cool, but that's a very, very small niche market. You need to price these competitively with the other thermostats that are out there. Seriously. 
And then whatever else you come up with in the future, make it competitively priced. Seriously. Now, I understood why it cost so much initially from Nest. They were a small company. They needed to recoup. They needed to make money. Google doesn't have those problems. Google also said that they're not going to collect data from uh, these connected devices. Do you believe that? I don't. And I don't know if I care or, or not. I hear a lot of people say, yeah, well, Google's going to know when you're going here and going there. Apple knows where you go every time with your iPhone if they really wanted to look. But do these companies really have the manpower or the infrastructure to really track your movements? They don't. It really goes into helping them create a better product that's better catered to you. So these smart devices learn your habits and it makes them more efficient. I think that's what it's all about. So, I don't know. It's uh, selling off Motorola, buying Nest, buying that human capital, if you will, and people like Tony Fidel and the engineers that he had at Nest. i got to be honest. I think it's really smart. I think it's uh, long-term. I think it's a good thing for us as consumers. Whether you like Android or not, whether you like um, Google as a company or not, I don't think they're an evil company any more than any other company is. And uh, I want cool stuff. I want really connected devices in my home. I do. I would love to be able to leave the house and realize while we left the, the heater up too high, launch my iPhone or Android device and turn it down. You know, I would love that. So we'll see where it goes. Um, Samsung this week agreed that their future phones are going to be more of a pure Android experience, which means less bloatware. Samsung had come out, I don't know, six months ago. I know it was before CES. And uh, they were kind of pimping their what they're going to do to Android, this layer of gloss that they were going to kind of overlay it. And uh, a lot of people said, great, more fragmentation of the uh, Android landscape that they were going to do to Android kind of what Amazon did to Android for the Kindle. And uh, they backed off of that. And my understanding from reading a lot of different articles on this is that it really came down from Google. Google said, no, you're not going to do this. We don't want you to. And if you do, we're going to start charging you a lot of money to license the parts of Android that aren't in the public domain. And it looks like uh, Samsung blinked. And I think for the consumers, quite honestly, this is a really good thing. Because I've got a bloatware Samsung Android phone. And it's the phone itself is okay, but it's just bloatware crap all over it. It's just, it reminds me of a Windows 95 machine from a, a cheap PC manufacturer in the mid-90s. You remember that? Where... There was stickers on the laptops. I mean, like four or five stickers. It was terrible looking. And you would launch it, and it had all this just crap installed everywhere on these PCs. And you couldn't get rid of some of it. I mean, it was like trial from, uh, I don't know, some uh, spyware company, you know, anti-spyware company. And uh, you you couldn't delete it. It left stuff in there even after you dragged it to the trash or tried to run the un. Uh, uninstaller and heaven forbid that you ever had to kind of 
erase and start over, it would put all that bloatware back on there again. Oh, this is terrible. I, that's what I felt like was starting to really happen with Android. In fact, it is happening. There's, It's not a feeling. It is happening. I've seen it. I own devices that's clearly that's what's happened. So with Motorola, or I'm sorry, with uh, Google putting their foot down and insisting on more of a pure Google experience, I think that's good for the consumers because I'll be honest with you, KitKat is a pretty good operating system. I've got it and it works well. It's uh, it's not an iPhone. It's not an iPad. It's not as intuitive. It's not as smooth, but it works fine. And I think that if you're an Android person, you want a pure Android experience and all, not all the crap where the, some of these companies are just throwing on top of it. And uh, you want that consistency across different phones and across different tablets. That's what makes it successful. And uh, I think it's a good thing. I don't, I don't blame Google at all for putting their foot down here and saying no. Or if you do, there's going to be consequences. Samsung has also uh, came out in the news this week. They're taking over 60 smartphone warehouses in Europe. Is it smartphone or I've got earphone here? No, car phone. <laughs> earphone. <laughs> earphone. Earphone warehouse. <laughs> and it's like when I say that, I think one of those big ends of a trumpet that people used to put up to their ear in the 1800s. What'd you say, Sonny? <laughs> That's an earphone warehouse. Carphone warehouse in Europe. They're going to rename them. Uh, they're going to be Samsung Store. Samsung said they're going to come out with a modern design, which, of course, means they're going to ape what the Apple Store looks like. And if you're going to ape anything, that's probably a good thing to ape because Apple does a very good job in their uh, retail. Although I think that's going to change really soon as we all know by listening to all the podcasts that we do and reading all the tech websites apple hired someone new for the retail division and she comes from a fashion industry background she's going to change the way the apple stores look uh, we'll see how much of a leash tim cook and uh, the board give her to make her changes but man i i don't know there's a i don't think they're going to let her go radical i really don't the Apple stores do work the way they are. I think it just needs, I don't know. I want to say modernizing it a little bit, but the Apple stores still look more modern than almost any other store out there. So I don't know. I like the wood, the bleached wood look that you see in Apple stores. Uh, I like the big tables that display the products really well. Uh, I like how they have everything that's larger on the side. So it doesn't block your field of view. But the Apple stores are so busy anyways that you have no field of view. So whatever she does, I think she's going to definitely change some of the look and feel. And if she does, she better do it soon. Otherwise, who the hell is Samsung going to copy? <laughs> Apple's design from 15 years ago? Uh, another big kind of, uh, kind of surprised me, to be honest. And, and I think that this... I think this is looking forward to what's going to happen this year with Apple. The Apple TV now has a top-level category on the the Apple online store. It used to fall underneath accessories. So, you know, at the top it would say, like, Mac and iPhone and iPad, and now Apple TV's up there, too. And uh, 
I think this says something. I think that Apple is about to release, and I don't mean like this week, but I mean soon, within a few months, a revamped Apple TV. Do I think it's a television? No, I don't think it's television. That would be cool, um, but maybe not because I, I don't want to replace one of my televisions with an Apple television, at least not right now. I would much rather replace this $99 hockey puck with a new $99 hockey puck or even a $299 hockey puck that did a lot more. I think this is all about a brand new Apple TV coming with apps, specifically games. Right now, there's four major players in the home console. That's Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony. <gasps> And Steam. Steam's coming out. Although those boxes are going to be pretty expensive. And a lot of different companies are making them. It seems... Eh, I'm not that excited about it. But an Apple TV that's inexpensive. Let's say 99 bucks, Or even 199 That plays games. That comes with a dedicated controller. You can't... Don't, don't release something Apple is... Oh, use your iPad and iPhone as a controller. No, it sucks as a controller. Especially if you're not looking at it. That's what a lot of people don't seem to get. It'd have to be either super simple games, or you need a physical controller with buttons. You can't have just a piece of glass. That's fine if you're looking at it. Like right now, if you're playing a game on your iPad, you're looking at the iPad. You can see where your fingers are. Well, if the iPhone or the iPad is your controller, but you're looking at a TV, you can't see where your fingers are. And that could make all the difference in your enjoyment of a game. So if they're going to release a new Apple TV that you could buy a game controller for, and iOS 7 has that built-in controller support now, as we all know, it only makes sense to have a regular game controller. And Apple could really come in here, and uh, it, they would they would immediately eclipse Nintendo for the number three spot, and probably pass Microsoft and Sony for the number one spot within a year, simply because there's a huge built-in library. They've already got a whole bunch of people that own iOS devices, and if they own an iOS device, that means they use iTunes, and that's where you would buy games. The games would be cheaper. Well, I mean, more inexpensive. I don't want to say cheaper, because cheaper has a negative connotation. It means, you know, junkier. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that Apple could just jump right in. And, and let's be honest, that's probably scaring the crap out of Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo right now. Don't you think? Look, Microsoft and Sony, I almost combined Microsoft and Sony. Mo, mo, I'm trying to figure out how that would be. Money? Money, money. money. Um, Sony Soft? <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's got to be their nightmare, though, right? I mean, they've got these very high-end, expensive devices that sit right there underneath the television that are that are big and they're expensive and you have to go buy physical media or you can download on all three of them now but the games aren't cheap and then here comes apple with a 99 dollars little device that already works with thousands of games and for an extra i don't know 50 bucks you you could buy a nice controller that's 
very similar to uh, the PS3 or a Xbox One controller. That's got to scare the crap out of them. I think out of all the game companies, it probably scares Nintendo the most. Nintendo's not doing well at all with the Wii U. Um, the, the president CEO of Nintendo, because they're doing so poorly, has agreed to cut his salary in half only for the next few months. But Nintendo's in a lot of trouble here. Now, they've got a huge cash reserve, so they can ride it out. But unless they've got something killer in the pipeline that's going to turn things around, they're in a lot of trouble. And if Apple comes out with a gamer machine like the Apple TV, the iGame, or I don't know. I guess they just still call it the Apple TV, right? Um, especially now that they give it a kind of a top level on the app store or on the uh, Apple store. Yeah, that's kind of, I got to imagine that would scare the crap out of Nintendo. And I'm sure there's going to be people at Sony and Microsoft sleeping a lot less soundly if this gets released. It's interesting though. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about was the 30th anniversary of the Macintosh. But here's the thing. Um, by the time David and I get back together next week, if all goes well, it, we will be about two weeks removed from that anniversary, but that's okay. Because, uh, I want to save that discussion for both David and I, when we're together, I'm actually losing my voice a little bit here because I'm doing all the talking and I'm not taking any time to stop and, uh, drink some water. So I'm going to do that right here. We did get some feedback a couple weeks ago. Now, David and I haven't been together, so we didn't go through any of the feedback, but I did print one of them out, uh, and I sent a couple over to David. But since he's not here, I'm just going to read the one that I kept. It's, uh, hello, Tim and David. And this is from um, Stephen Axtell, Axtell from Salina, Oklahoma, which I'm sure is uh, much better weather than I'm getting. Although, yeah, I don't know, this week there's been a lot of really terrible weather hitting the south as well. So, Stephen, wherever you're at, hopefully that weather in Oklahoma is a lot better than what I've been hearing going across the United States this week. Uh, I just wanted to write and say that I really enjoy your podcast each week. I drive an hour each way to and from work, which affords me a lot of time to listen to many podcasts. My chosen commuting companion. I was the same way, by the way, um, for the last three and a half years, I was driving back and forth to Chicago, which is eh, three to three and a half hour commute each way. So yes, roughly seven hours in a car a day. And you can only listen to so much music, right? I mean, it gets, I don't know. I, I like music a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I've always liked music, but <sighs> you can only listen to so much before it's like, ugh, I got to. I need something else. And when I listen to music, honestly, I kind of, uh, unless it's a, it's something that I'm literally singing along to. And trust me, you don't want to hear that. Um, (laughs) nobody wants to hear that. Um, I tend to listen to music and I try to fit it into different scenarios and not music videos, but like movies or TV shows. I don't, but it's always TV shows or movies of my own creation. 
not that I'm starring in them. I always kind of look at it as like I'm a director or an, I'm an editor, and I'm trying to figure out what kind of a scene this song would really work. And I usually like to go just the opposite. So if it's like a happy song, it's something dark happening in a movie. Um, if it's a dark song, I like to kind of, I don't know. Anyways, uh, I'm with you, Stephen. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And the cars really, let's be honest, the perfect place to do it, especially if you're alone. Because, I don't know, I feel weird listening to podcasts if my wife's in the car, because I know she doesn't enjoy them. And uh, the kids never want to hear podcasts, so. Um, And he continues, I particularly like your show because both of you are well-spoken and have excellent vocabularies. Well, David does. (laughs) My my well-spokenness today, there's some vocabulary for you, is... uh, I don't know. I feel off. I feel discombobulated. Um, But I've been extremely busy this week, and uh, I don't have David here to pick up the slack for me. And I could definitely use him picking up the slack for me today. Uh, We don't always agree. And you're absolutely right. We We don't always agree. We probably agree more than you may think, but if we agree on everything, I think that's kind of a boring show. We, uh, I've done a lot of podcasts where all the hosts had exactly the same opinion. Well, once one of them kind of expresses that opinion and everybody else agrees, unless they have more to add to it, then it's the end of the topic, isn't it? I mean, okay, yeah, well, that's, I guess if you're talking about a news story, which is cut and dry, like, I don't know, the weather, um, there's really not much to, to discuss. So, and even when David and I agree on things, sometimes it's kind of a nuanced thing. Like, I think we would both agree that Google, for instance, buying Next, Nest, <laughs> Next, uh, is a good fit. Why it's a good fit is where the discussion can happen. That I think it's for the engineering that they have although i suspect david will agree with that as well but he may have a different opinion or a different take on it and i think that's where david and i enjoy talking together because he brings up points and i bring up points that the others may not and uh that's where the show happens that's where the love is (laughs) uh number three you disagree respectfully acknowledge the opponent's or the opposition's point yeah, um, I think a lot of that, though, comes from Dave and I are just really good friends. And uh, I've literally seen David in person maybe three or four times my whole life. But we've spent, I, I couldn't even tell you how many countless hours talking, not just recording shows, Geekiest Show Ever, My Mac, this show, um what, what we took over I forget which one it was now every October stoplight network does other people's shows although I think we might have missed that this year I forget now um we did but uh we did somebody else's show I forget who's now I think it was I don't remember but we discuss we talked before and after the the podcast as well we text back and forth um he's a good friend and it's that friendship and my respect for him 
that even if I really disagree with what his opinion is on something, it's not going to change the way I feel about him or the way I think about him. And, uh, you know, that's genuine. That's, you can't manufacture that. And I think that's why David and I work so well together doing podcasts. Uh, and number four, your conversation is intelligent, informed, and relevant. Well, that's an opinion. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> how informed or intelligent it is. Um, and relevant is kind of subjective. But David and I, honestly, we both stay on top of what's going on in the tech world. Um, and we're both well-read. So when we pick a topic to talk about, here, here's a secret. David and I don't prepare to do this show. I've actually got notes in front of me. I've got a text edit file that's, you know, about 200 words. And that's probably the most preparation that I've done for tech fan in two years. I think the last time I did this much prep was when Steve jobs died. So yeah, I don't know. Informed and intelligent. I think that just really comes out that David and I stay on top of what's going on. And so when I pick a topic or he picks a topic right before we start recording, we're very confident that the other person has read up on that topic. And if they haven't, the other person can at least inform them throughout the course of the show and they'll be able to form an opinion. So I think that's a lot of what happens here on tech fan. I've always wanted to do this show as more of a conversation and less of a radio show. If you will, it's a conversation between two friends who don't agree with everything with each other comes from uh, different backgrounds. I mean, he lives in the UK. I live in the U S uh, yes, both part of the Western world, but still different enough where we don't always have that common go-to, you know, background. And I like that. That that makes for an interesting show. Guy and Gaz have the same thing on my Mac. Mark Greentree has that with almost everybody on the shows that he does because he lives all the way down in Australia. And uh, I don't know. I think that the different cultures... And they're not so dissimilar that, you know, we don't have common ground, but there are differences. And I think that's those differences really kind of help make the show what it is, at least the conversation. And again, I like the show because it's conversation. It's not just here's a topic, talk about it. Here's a topic, talk about it. Um, sorry, I'm taking a short break there to have a hit of my cigarette it's uh it's fun to do this show and i'm not going to stop doing the show uh unless david had to stop for some reason if david decided he couldn't do tech fan anymore and you never know for whatever reason uh it could happen would i continue tech fan i don't know i mean there's some people that i could see doing a a, a regular show with owen rubin comes to mind uh, Guy Searle comes to mind. Uh, possibly Gaz, but I don't know Gaz all that well. I think we've talked maybe a half dozen times at the most. I feel like I know him because I listen to my Mac, and he probably feels like he knows me because he listens to Tech Fan. But that's a that's a different thing between 
two people when they actually get together and have a show together. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I could continue Tech Fan without David. It just would feel hollow to me. I could be wrong. There could be another person out there that would be perfect for it, but it would be very difficult. Let me put it that way. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if I could continue it without David. And I'm sure David probably feels the same that, you know, I could do a show here and there without him and he could do the same, but we always know that we're getting back together to do another show within a week or two. So that's always cool. Uh, last thing before I wrap up this episode, yeah, it's going to be a little shorter this week. My voice does feel like it's kind of the cigarette probably didn't help, but it's, uh, feels like it's been going out since I started. Uh, I know there's a really bad flu thing going around. Nobody in my house is sick, but who knows? Um, so a couple weeks ago was, uh, CES and, uh, and by the way, I'm probably not going to Macworld. I've had a couple people ask and it's probably not going to happen. Um, I didn't go to CES as you all know, but the Macworlds that I've gone to in the past, uh, those type of events and some uh, Apple specialist conferences where it's kind of like a, a little Macworld Expo that happens there with a lot of different vendors. One of the vendors that I always seem to uh, go out of my way to make sure I go through and explore all of their booths is Dr. Bot. And they represent a lot of different companies. And yeah, I like the goodie bags that I would get by going through the Dr. Bot booth. That's always cool. But more importantly for me anyways is I want to see all these new products that they're working with because Dr. Bot's got this reputation of finding these products that's not really getting distributed well enough and puts them on a larger stage and uh you know there's some products that they have that other companies do have but they seem to really go out of their way to find those cool things that i want and going through their booth at every macworld expo was always fun and you'd always get this complimentary samples of you know the different stuff so I was really surprised yesterday when I got home from uh, picking up the kids from the one day of school this week. There, there was this big box. I opened it up, and it's a press kit with a whole bunch of little goodies from Dr. Bot from the CES show. So I wanted to uh, thank them for that. It was completely unexpected, and there's some really, really neat things in here. Um, and I'm not going to go through everything, but I'll, I'll share with you guys a few things. There's, uh, you know what, I need my reading glasses because <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, this first thing is called the MOS, a magnetic organization system. This is really kind of cool. It, it comes with, I haven't actually opened it yet. I was looking on Facebook and I saw David Ham, Dave Hamilton from uh, the Mac Observer. And uh, he had posted something about this. Yeah, okay. It's basically this little triangle pad. You know those uh, triangle... Uh, conference call phones yeah it sits in the middle of a table it's kind of like that but it's small it could fit in the palm of your hand and it's uh, magnetized I'm trying to pull it out right now can you hear it yeah where they really put this sorry about that so it's pretty light it's got a, a sticker thing on the bottom so you can oh wow this thing is magnetized like you wouldn't believe. I put it on top of my laptop and it's stuck right there. <laughs> Better not do that anymore and mess up my hard drive. Um, and it comes with three little blue clips. Now the triangle thing 
the magnetized thing itself is uh, pretty small. Like I said, it fits in the palm of my hand. And these little blue, I don't know what you call these things, bands, I guess. You clip them over uh, cords. And these bands are also magnetized, so they stick to this thing. So it's really hard to explain this. I'm going to have to post a link on uh, the show notes. So go to show 148 at techfanpodcast.com. I'll post a link to this moss so you can actually see what it looks like. But basically, you wrap it around a cord, snap it shut, and then the little magnetized thing keeps it right there on the, the triangle. So it organizes your cables for you. It's pretty cool. Um, and it's pretty small. So if you're a laptop user and um, you hey, I wonder if... Yeah, yeah, it holds the uh, MagSafe without the little thing on there. Um, because the MagSafe itself is magnetized. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I like this thing. And I just opened it. I'm, you're going to have to check this out. I don't know how much it costs, but if you're a laptop user and you're used to leaving your MagSafe and maybe a USB cable or something on your desktop and they always kind of move around and you got to search for them when you get back home and plug it in your laptop... This would be a great way to keep it organized. I really like that. And going along with that is the cord taco. And I'm for these things that I'm actually talking about on this episode, there will be links to these uh, at techfanpodcast.com. Go to show 148, and you'll see, see the links. The cord taco. It's a five-cord organizers. Now... <laughs> If you open this thing up, it's just a round piece of leather, right? And it says, this is ground. Ground. Yeah, this is ground. Okay. Um, with a snap. And you can fold it in half and snap it, and it looks like a little taco. Fits in the palm of your hand. This is for organizing your cables, your cords. And I'm going to use that as well. I think that's pretty cool. And it comes in a neat little bag. I will post a uh, link to it. You got to check this out. Let's be honest. We all have issues when it comes to our cords. So that's something that I will definitely look into. Uh, they sent a lot of cases. I've got a purple one on my iPhone right now. Uh, and in Scipio, this is a... Uh, oh, a stash bag. This is cool. This allows you to... Uh, still dock your iPhone when you're when it's in this case. This is for the iPhone 5 and 5s. But there's also this little hidden compartment that you can open and put your credit cards in. So it stores credit cards. That's pretty cool. If you don't plan on keeping your wallet with you, you can probably put your driver's license and a couple of credit cards, and it's right in your iPhone case. Of course, don't lose your iPhone then. Um, a pair of headphones. These ones. Um, you know, they're in-ear headphones, and these are from I Love. They're called the Neon Sound. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll probably give them a try. It looks like it's got the flat cables on them instead of the rounded ones. They're bright orange with black. Not really my style, but I'm 44 years old. My kids would probably love them. And the last thing, let me look up here. Uh, this is... I don't know how you pronounce this it's i think it's t-y-l-t maybe but it's like half a t i don't know it's weird um 
Hmm. This is a lightning and micro USB charger battery pack. Oh, this is pretty cool. It could charge three devices. Oh, this is pretty neat looking. And uh, you kind of, you can fold the uh, cables inside the box, inside the case itself. I haven't opened it. I don't want to open it yet. Uh, this looks pretty cool. And it says it will charge two full charges. Uh, and it's got the lightning connector on there. So that's cool. I will post a link to this as well. Again, go to techfanpodcast.com. And you can look at the four products that I talked about today. These neon headphones from iLove. Um, the Moss in black. The Cord Tacos. That's <laughs> really a good name. Great marketing. And this battery backup. Check it out. Uh, I haven't used any of them except for the case from iLove. Or I'm sorry, from uh, Incipio. But it's an iPhone case and it works great. Although the one I got on my iPhone is not the one that holds the credit cards. The one I've got is just... I don't know. It's just a iPhone case. It's kind of, it starts with kind of a purple, a dark purple at the top and it kind of fades to black on the bottom. So it's got that. It's pretty cool looking and it feels nice and it's kind of soft in my hand. I like that as well. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of tech fan number 148. Um, make sure you listen to, uh, some of the other shows in the stoplight network, go to stoplightnetwork.com and, uh, you'll see a big long list of shows that are in the network, some great shows that are there. And uh, we have a new one. Let's pull it up here. Mm -mm -mm -mm. That's, why do I have it under gaming? I have to change that. <laughs> it's called For Pig For Pigs the Bell Tolls. It's a video game podcast, kind of a round table. And uh, you could find that. The first episode went live January 21st, and it's at stoplightnetwork.com. I actually haven't listened to it yet. But uh, I plan on doing that once I get a little bit more time in my car and uh, the kids are back in school and I've got a little bit more of a commute. I could start catching up on my podcast. That's one I definitely want to listen to. And uh, I think you'd probably enjoy it because it's in the Stoplight Network. <laughs> and by the way, I was on episode nine of the Deeper Look podcast. And uh, that was a fun show. That came out on January 13th. You can find a listing for that at thestoplightnetwork.com as well. And uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Make sure you send us feedback, either Tim or David, at techfanpodcast.com. Or just leave, leave a, uh, a comment right underneath the show page, and uh, we'll read it here on the show. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, hope you're not stuck in really bad weather like I have been. And I'll see you in a week. Siri, I'm looking for a new Apple podcast to listen to. Any recommendations? I found one new podcast for you, but it looks like they only record themselves drinking and chatting about the latest Apple news and rumor. Well, that sounds great. What's it called? It's called the Mac Gist Podcast. But Nick, why would anyone listen to that? Well, Siri, alcohol is the anesthesia by which we endure the operation of life. I found these five rehab clinics near you. Would you like directions? Ugh, Siri, enough with the rehab. Just download the latest Mac Gist Podcast now. I'm sorry, Nick. I cannot do that at this time. Go home, Siri. You're drunk. That's not nice. Eh, what does she know anyways? Check us out over at themacgistpodcast.com.